You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org. My, my two daughters, Brittany and Morgan, both share a common trait, and that is that they're generous. Um, and they're really good at gift giving. They're, they're fantastic at it. Uh, when they give you a gift, you're just like, wow, that is like the perfect gift. So I don't have that quality about me. Uh, pretty much the way my gift giving goes is, uh, yeah, I didn't know what to buy, so here's some money, you know. And so far, that's working out okay for me. They're, they're, they're like, no, don't change the program. You're doing good. Just keep that coming. And so Brittany has this side of her where she is a spontaneous giver. Um, her generosity is often just in an instant. So there's a story that I love to tell about Brittany when she was in college. And it really describes that trait about her. We were at a restaurant eating dinner one night. And when we were getting to our seats and the server comes... She says to Brittany, who was a college student, I love your purse. And Brittany says, oh, thank you. I love it, too. She told her where she bought it, and they talked a little bit about the purse. And then we had, you know, to order, and then we ate dinner. And then we had to-go boxes, and Brittany asked the lady, could you bring me a bag? Do you have, like, a bag to put these boxes in? And she said, sure. When she brings the bag and then walks away, Brittany doesn't put the to-go boxes in the bag. Instead, she dumps the contents of her purse into the bag. And when the server comes back, she says, I want you to have the purse. She hands it to her and says, I hope you love it as much as I love it. It was really kind of a sweet thing. However, she's a college student and I bought the purse. And so when I slightly challenged her by kind of leaning toward her when the server walked away and I said, Brittany, she says to me, you'll buy me another one and you know it. (laughs) So think about freedom and being generous when you know that your dad will just buy you another one. I want you to hold on to that story because it's the essence of everything we're talking about today. In the sermon, you may feel a little pushback. And you may think to yourself, are you kidding me? Fourth of July weekend, I show up because I'm just faithful to my worship and with the Lord. And he's going to stand up there for 30 minutes and rail about me needing to be more generous. And he's going to talk about money. But if that's what happens in your head during the sermon... I hope that you remember the story with Brittany and that you get this image, this idea in your mind that I have a father who provides everything that I need. And so I have permission just to give stuff away because the father in heaven, he is taking care of me and he just keeps providing. And you look at your life and you say over and over again, he just keeps providing. He gives me everything I need. And so I can just have this permission. I, 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 I've been praying that there would be this sense of like a freedom that just says, oh, take a deep breath and let it out and say, now I can just go give away because my father in heaven is taking care of me. So let's just dig in. You ready? Are you rich? <laughs> it's a tough question, huh? Are you? I've asked you that question over the years. Are you rich? 
When, when I ask the question, are you rich? Most of us, I think, would be tempted to go to this idea of, am I rich in money or material possessions, right? I think that's where we go. And that's where I want you to go, but there's another rich that I want you to think about. And that's being rich toward God. So those aren't my words. I didn't come up with the phrase. A guy a lot smarter than me came up with the phrase. His name is Jesus. And so Jesus often talked about being rich like by possessions or money. But he also talked about being rich toward God. So let me ask you, are you rich? Maybe not just in regard to possessions or money, but are you rich toward God? If you say, what does that really mean? I would say, I don't really know fully. But when I read these words this week from the Apostle Paul, I think maybe he's getting close to it. At least he's pointed us in the right direction. It's when he writes Timothy, the first letter in chapter 6. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. Which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Look at these words. Who richly provides us with everything. For our enjoyment. It, it's the idea that, that God's providing for me, you know? Command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds. To be generous. To be willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure. Talking about being rich toward God. They will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And so I don't know that that's an exhaustive explanation of what it means to be rich toward God. But I think it's at least saying it's down that road. It's about putting your hope in God. It's about doing good. It's about being rich in good deeds. It's about being generous. It's about being willing to share. You know what it boils down to? What are you pursuing? What's your life all about? What are you chasing? <laughs> what are you running after? What do you really want? And here's the real question for us today. Are we pursuing earthly riches? Or are we pursuing riches toward God. What do I really want? What am I really chasing? What am I running after? What do I really desire? Is it earthly riches? Or do I want to be rich toward God? I've got to wonder if somebody is saying, could I do both? And I think in the text this morning, we're going to get answers to a lot of our questions, okay? So let's uh, let's open our Bibles to the book of Luke, uh, chapter 12. I'll start with verse 1, and then I'll drop down to verse 13. Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Because we're in a series where Jesus tells stories, right? Lots of stories. And the stories have meaning. And so let's find out what story Jesus has for us today and what the meaning of the story is. So here's verse 1. This is only for context. The only reason I'm reading verse 1. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered, 
So I just want you to get the picture of what's going on. Jesus is gaining popularity. Thousands are coming to hear Jesus teach. So they were trampling on one another. You've heard about concerts where people are getting trampled on. Jesus' popularity is to that point. People are getting trampled on. Jesus began to speak first to his disciples. This is before he goes out maybe to the masses. Now, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So it wasn't unusual for someone to ask a rabbi to facilitate family disputes. And probably that's what's happening. He feels like he's not being treated fairly. And he's asking for this rabbi Jesus to get involved. So Jesus replied, man, that's kind of how he said, right? What's up, man? So Jesus says, man, what's going on, man? Man, who appointed me to be judge or arbiter between you? But then Jesus decides to take a teaching moment out of this. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Now that's a clue. Think about this next sentence. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. I kind of thought it did. Jesus says it doesn't. And then he told them a story, a parable. Let me tell you a story, he says. The ground of a certain rich man yielded abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? (laughs) I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And then Jesus says, this is how it will be. With whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. I got lots of thoughts. The first one is, who is he talking to? If the crowds are beginning to gather and listen to his teaching to the disciples, most everybody in Jesus' day in Palestine were poor. Um, probably 70% or more relied on agriculture. Uh, tenant farmers lived in indebtedness, had enough really just to get by, maybe one extra garment, but that would be it. And so Jesus is talking to poor people, saying that likely there might be a surplus at some point. What would you do if you had a surplus? How would you treat it? What would you do with it? And then you think about who's telling the story, Jesus. Hey, was Jesus rich? Jesus wasn't rich. He came from a very poor family in a peasant village. There's nothing to indicate that his economic status changed. 
He even once said about himself, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, son of man, I have nowhere to lay my head. We have no record of him ever owning a home. He lived an itinerant life, traveling from place to place. He was buried in a borrowed grave. In fact, Luke, a few chapters earlier, tells us what his life was like. He traveled about from one town or village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve, they were with him. So this traveling life, sleeping wherever you could, eating what you could, and also some women. What about the women? Well, they had been cured of evil spirits and diseases by Jesus. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So he's relying on the donations of a few women who are working on the side to try to keep the ministry up and keep people fed. He was poor. And he's saying, what would you do if you came into a surplus? Because it's important. So let me just uh, talk to you a minute from my heart about my own life. A few years ago, I felt like God really challenging me in the area of generosity. And I think the reason God was challenging me in the area of generosity was because I needed it. That's usually why God challenges us, right? And so God gave me these images. And and I remember coming to church one Sunday and feeling like I needed to share those images with you. And and the image that I had in my mind was the image of a of a barrel, okay? And so I felt like God saying, Rick, do, do you kind of see your life as a barrel? When it comes to possessions and surplus and blessings, do you see your life kind of as you just keep putting stuff in the barrel? You just keep adding to the barrel and and you're trying to fill the barrel as full as you can get it. And when you get the barrel full, you got this big barrel, then then you start just stacking on top and finally the barrel's running over with stuff. Is that the way you view the stuff that I give you, the blessings in your life, the provisions that I provide for you? Do you see your life as a barrel Or do you see your life as a funnel? And I just keep pouring stuff into your life. I just keep blessing you and providing for you. And it just kind of begins to flow out of you to others. Are you a barrel or are you a funnel? Are you just wanting to fill it more full so you can feel more security, more safe? Or are you saying, God, as long as you will pour into me, I promise you it'll flow through me into others. It was a challenging time for me. It's asking God, are you blessing me so I can just have more and spend more on me? Or are you blessing me so it can flow through me? See, if if you look at this passage... You, you begin to say, okay, what, what happened? When did, when did he go off the rails? What's the problem here? And we're tempted to say, well, the problem is he got a blessing. That's what happened. He got this surplus. That, that's the problem. But biblically, exegetically, logically, can you really say a blessing is a problem? I don't think so. 
I think it's what he did with the blessing and how he viewed the blessing. See, if you say the blessing's mine, it's for me, I'm going to spend it on me, I'm going to save it for me, I own it, that's a problem. If you say everything I have is God's, I'm a steward. He owns it. my, My job is to distribute it. My job is to share it. And so I can be generous and I can be compassionate. Because everything that I have is God's. And I'm like a manager. Just kind of taking care of things for him. I, I think the other thing we want to do is say, you know what the problem is? The problem is wealth. That's, that's a problem. Now, while I understand that the Bible has lots of warnings about the dangers of wealth. I'll say it again. The Bible has lots of warnings about the dangers of wealth. I don't think that you can ever say that Jesus said wealth is the problem. In fact, I don't think Jesus was condemning wealth in this passage. I think the problem is greed. It's what Jesus said at the very beginning. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Greed's a bad dude. A good definition for greed would be simply this. A selfish and excessive desire for more of something. You know what? You, you want to be generous. I will once I have more. You, you, you want to give it away. I will after I get some more. Well, you want to be compassionate because some people are hurting. I will, I will be compassionate after I have more. Well, you don't want to be stingy. I don't want to be stingy and I won't be when I get more. Greed is just saying, I got to have more first. The reason that I, I stand up here today and, and just say to you, at some point, we got to come to this place where we have a come to Jesus meeting in our heads and our hearts and say, what is my life about? What am I pursuing? What do I want? Am I pursuing earthly riches or do I want to be rich toward God? The reason I do that is because of this. We are pursuing earthly riches when we determine to keep what God has given us for ourselves. That's the real test. If you want to know, Rick, I don't know. Which am I? What am I doing? I think when we are pursuing, we are pursuing earthly riches rather, when we are determined in our hearts and minds that, that I'm going to keep whatever God has given me, I'm keeping it for me. I think at that point we know that we're in trouble. See, the kingdom of God is about the values and the priorities of God. And God values generosity. And God prioritizes people in need who are hurting. So, I remember a few years ago coming across a um, writing by an Old Testament scholar whose name is Walter Brueggemann. He's really the most um, influential Old Testament scholar of our day. He's still living. 
And, and Brueggemann writes an article called The Liturgy of Abundance, comma, The Myth of Scarcity. Meaning that this idea of there's not enough is a myth. That the true liturgy is abundance. So he says, and I'm just giving you a few of his statements. The majority of the world's resources pour into the United States of America today. Anybody want to disagree? He says, as we grow more wealthy... Money is becoming a kind of narcotic for us. It's, it's almost like it's making us a bit numb. We, we hardly realize our own prosperity, but we also barely realize the poverty of others. Here's the great contradiction, he says. We have more money but we have less generosity. We have a love affair with more. And we will never have quite enough. So being an Old Testament scholar, he says, let me talk to you from Genesis 1. Uh, the Bible starts in Genesis 1 with a liturgy of abundance. There's, there's an abundance. There's plenty. And the story of the Bible is the story of God's generosity, Right? There's, there's plenty and God is generous. But he said there's another story when you get to chapter 47 of Genesis. It's where Pharaoh dreams that there will be a famine in the land. So Pharaoh gets organized to control and monopolize the food supply. And he introduces the principle of scarcity. For the first time in the Bible, Brueggemann says, somebody says there may not be enough. Get everything you can get for yourself. He says when the people of Israel are freed from Egypt, God debunks the myth of scarcity again by putting manna, bread on the ground. He's saying, I'm generous. There's abundance. And Brueggemann concludes by saying the central problem in our lives is that we are torn by a conflict within us. And here's the conflict. We are attracted to the good news of God's abundance. But we're also held captive to the power of our belief in scarcity. And he says, when we believe in scarcity, it makes us greedy. It makes us mean. And it makes us unneighborly. So if you want to ask me what I think is going on in the story, I can tell you what I think is going on in the story. I, I think the landowner who was already rich had more. And instead of saying, I feel responsible for the care of others. And I feel concerned for people who are in need. Instead, he said, I want to make sure I have enough to last me. Until the end. I just want to make sure I got enough. And so I'm going to keep it for myself. I'm just going to sit back and say, you know what? I think I got enough. 
Do you understand that that's an illusion? It is false security. Because none of us know what's going to happen tomorrow. We have no idea what the future holds. And do you know what God says to the man? You fool. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. That's not what brings you peace. It's not what makes you secure. Do you know what brings you peace and makes you secure? It's an alternative idea. And that is simply this. You can trust that God is in control. That God loves you. That God cares for you. That God is your provider. And God has your life in the palm of his hands. That's your peace. That's your security. The reason I know that's what Jesus means is because that's what Jesus says in the following verses. He says, he says this, he says, you're really going to worry about what you're going to wear? He didn't mean that in like, which outfit am I going to wear? He meant that you'll have clothes. You're really going to worry about what you're going to eat? You're really going to worry what you're going to drink? Don't you understand that your father in heaven loves you and he's going to take care of all of those things? And in Luke chapter 12, verse 31, here's what he says. Seek first his kingdom. And these things, what you're going to eat, drink, and wear, they're going to be given to you as well. Don't be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. So look at this. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. (laughs) You love it? Brittany, give your purse away. Your daddy will buy you another one. That's the idea. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will never fail. That's being rich toward God. To come to a place that say, I'm I'm free. (laughs) I'm I'm not bound. I I can give. Because the Father in heaven is providing for me. I have a prayer that I want you to pray with me. I didn't write it, but I think it's good for us to pray. And I'll say the words, and as you hear them, you only say them if you want to say them. So you would repeat them after me, one phrase at a time. When I pause, you say the words. You can close your eyes or you can leave them open. You can stare at the carpet or you can stare at me. But let's pray. Jesus, want to try it again? That part I think you can say with confidence. Jesus, you have known poverty. Free us from the need to seek security and wealth. 
Give us generous hearts that we may know the richness of your grace. In your name we pray. Amen. So since we've determined that wealth is not the problem and blessings are not the problem, we're going to go from here today blessing you. In two ways. One will be in the form of a song and one will be in offering you the grace of Jesus and the elements that you received when you came in. So would you take the bread this morning and just receive the blessing and the grace of Jesus. If you'll open the bread first, you'll remember that Jesus was with his disciples and he took bread and he broke it. He gave thanks and he said to them, this is my body that is broken for you. Take it and eat it, all of you. He took the cup. And he held it and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. Poured out for the ransom of many. Drink it, all of you, and be thankful. Receive his grace. Celebrate his presence. Jesus is with you this morning. And now would you receive this blessing in Jesus' name.
God of the universe sees you, hears you, and knows you. As you leave this place, may you go in the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for coming today. You are dismissed. been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.